0: Well, hey there, city getters and friends, uh, Vic here. Uh, welcome to uh, week two of our Advent series uh, during this uh, Christmas time, this, this month of December. Um, today we will uh, read from, uh, you know, Isaiah chapter nine, which is the uh, one verse, verse six, that's, you know, we use to kind of create our Advent artwork uh, called wonder, or wonderful, rather. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to draw your attention to my my shirt. You know, last week, uh, Toby uh, preached uh, with a, a blue plaid shirt. Um, I think it's blue or navy. Uh, you know, broke the, the custom from his usual black tees. Um, and so, you know, Toby, I just want to say, I, I, I see your blue shirt and I raise you a red plaid shirt. You know, and of course, this, I think, is far more Christmassy. So, you know, I win, but uh, it's not a competition. So if you have your Bibles with you, again, old school, new school, um, Verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9 speaks of uh, what we celebrate this season. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I'd love to invite you to read along with me in the New Testament, just uh, you know, the fulfillment of that and the announcement of that to the shepherds. Uh, by the way, I'm using uh, the Christmas carols uh, flyer that we have in the waypoint here to promote our carols event on December 23rd. So it's in my Bible, ready to hand out to someone if I must, and of course also to help me find the scripture. Uh, and that little ramble there was to help you find the scripture as well. So Luke chapter 2. Uh, I might not have said what it is. But anyway, Luke chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 8 all the way to verse 14. Uh, So join me if you can. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. Will you join me as I quickly pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and for an opportunity this season to uh, think about and and meditate on the birth of your son Jesus that came to rescue us, to save us. Help us to learn once again uh, this year from this incredible account uh, and uh, be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start off with a joke. You know, there was once a guy uh, who decided he was going to train up an ant to do phenomenal things. So this guy spent months coaching, figuring out how to, how to cause an ant to be compliant and eventually the ant would obey simple instructions, you know, walk left, or walk right. Uh, uh, it, it, to the extent eventually where this, amp, uh, this, amp, this ant was able to do somersaults, you know, and backflips and, and, and incredible things. And, and, and he was just so excited. He kept this a secret, didn't tell anybody. So excited to reveal this phenomenal ant to the world. And so he thought to himself, where could I do this? Where would be the place to debut this phenomenal ant? And he thinks, you know, I should go up to a very upper-end, high-class restaurant. There will be people of influence, people that will surely take notice and would possibly put money behind this phenomenal thing that I've accomplished. And so he decided to go to the fanciest restaurant in his city, uh, and, and he, he just couldn't contain himself, so excited. Uh, and he sat down, and before he even ordered uh, uh, something to eat, he just had to get the word out. And so he called up one of the servers. He said, excuse me, sir, uh, please would you come here? And as the server uh, approached his table, he, he took the ant out from wherever he stored it, and, and he carefully laid it out onto the table, so excited for the first moment where the world can see this incredible ant. And as the server came up to the table, you know, very fancy, he said, Yes, sir, you know, uh, can I be of assistance? And the man said, Do you see this ant? And the server, you know, looked down from his nose, you know, because he was high and mighty. And uh, he saw the ant and immediately reached down with his thumb and went, I'm so sorry, sir, that won't happen again. Now, obviously, I'm not in the room with some of you, so I don't actually know if that's funny. Uh, And so, you know, a bit of my rambling over here is hoping that there's a bit of laughter and I can kill some time before I, you know, focus on the moral of that story. Um, Which is really the fact that we sometimes do that with Christmas and with the incarnation of Jesus. You know, when God became flesh, when the Father, God the Father sent God the Son into creation to come and redeem us. We don't see what it is we don't see who is behind this child that we read of this 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 child that was born and that's the point of admin that is why we take time over a whole month while we encourage you to participate in our advent devotions where we daily read scriptures and ponder upon this amazing thing that god became flesh you know uh You know, I don't want to get into the ant analogy, but, you know, in many ways, God becoming flesh, you know, that was this massive uh, descending uh, to our level to meet us where we were at, you know. Um, And and, and so we take time to think about it and and we meditate on what that means. I love young life, you know, and and when they talk to uh, high school kids about Jesus, they often would say, you know, Jesus is God in the bod, because they think about it. They think about how can, I, how can I bring this message across to teenagers. This is incredible that God in the bod equals Jesus. That's that's as I said why we, we read daily devotionals and there's only 12 days left you know and it's not too late if you haven't joined us in our morning uh, or, or daily readings uh, um, using the dwell app and, and a resource they provide us provided us called wonder I want to encourage you to 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 start today you can download it find it online if you go to our website um, that's why we sing these songs I think it's some of our Watch parties. We sang songs specifically around the truth of the incarnation, because it it speaks of God's ultimate plan being carried out. Things that He prophesied, not just in Isaiah that we've read, but even hundreds of years before that. Uh, and so we don't just squash the ant of awe and wonder. You know, we don't we don't just move on. We don't just do little baby Jesus on on Christmas cards and and little baby Jesus in nativity scenes, and actually. And in, in doing so, have no grasp on the grandeur of what this time means, of what, the, what we remember this time uh, of Christmas. Because you cannot worship God unless you are in awe and wonder, unless you are, you know, struck by what he's done. It's impossible to, to worship him without wonder. You can respect God, you know, you can honor him, uh, you can acknowledge that he's there. You don't even have to be a Christian to do those things, um, but... You will fail to truly worship him if you are not in wonder. And, and please, people, I, 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 I'm not talking about worship in the way that it's defined often in our time, uh, you know, where people think worship equals singing. You know, I'm a musician myself. I love singing truth. Uh, I value the part that music plays in helping us to adore God. But over this Advent season, um, I, I appreciate us uh, singing truths about Jesus. But, but I would just caution you that maybe if you've, if you've associated music almost exclusively with worship or the word worship, I think we've gone a little far. So when I refer to being in awe of God and therefore it resulting in worship, it doesn't just mean breaking out in song and in melody, but actually giving your whole life over to this incredible God. And so we stop and we stare. We stop and we stare at the incarnation. We stop and stare this Christmas at the truth that it declares. Because in Jesus, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's why he needed to come. And it's incredible. He didn't just show up at 33 and, uh, years old and says, all right, where's the cross? Let's, let's take care of this one. No, he, he showed up in the womb. And you've got to stop and you've got to think why. You've got to stop and stare. You've got to ask the question and be in wonder as a result. Because he subjected himself, Jesus, to all the consequences of fallen man without falling himself. You know, he began in the womb, and he lived a a human life. That's why he could be the perfect sacrifice and substitute at the end of his life. Because he he experienced the consequences of fallen man, the brokenness in our world, even the fact that he died in in his body. Yet he himself never sinned. He didn't take any shortcuts in those 33 years. It's not like, hey, just because he was God in the flesh, therefore it was easy for him to resist. Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus had it easy. It's hard for us to resist sin. Listen, Jesus experienced the full force of temptation and he never buckled under it. You and I know what it's like to buckle under temptation, to just not be strong enough to, to, to stand. Jesus, in many ways, experienced temptation in ways that you and I would never experience or have never experienced. And so he took no shortcuts and he died in our place. He had to die. He had to not just pay the penalty for our sin as a sinless one, but also he had to defeat death. And in doing so, he needed to die himself so that he can open up the, 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 the prison from the inside out. That's why scripture says he now has the keys of death in his hand. He so said, these are all things that I'm just throwing out there, but it's the result of pondering, of meditating, of looking at this, the gospel story, long and hard, and then be in awe as a result, to be in wonder, and therefore, uh, and as a result, worship. The the worship kind I, I refer to, all of life kind. And so the incarnation properly understood. I want to just say, has also real-life implications. It's not just something that you understand with your head and is moved by in your heart, but your life changes as a result. And I want to look at just five uh, implications of the incarnation. So I'm not necessarily going to double-click on the wonder aspects. I'm just going to say, if you get wonder, these are some of the things that might happen, and we might pull them out of these verses that we've read together. So if you have your notebook with you, I want you to write down the first point. These aren't like not amazing points, but I think you know, they'll, they'll make sense and they might help you remember. So number one, uh, the first implication is that we become tough mudders. What do I mean by that? You know the race, the tough mudder race. You know? it's, it's, it's a race where people are so excited to really suffer and get dirty. Uh, you know, they run a, a, a huge, uh, you know, a long distance, uh, but it's not just point A to point B. There's lots of obstacles and a lot of mess along the way. You know, the, the end of the, the race, you look very different to the beginning of the race. Tough mudder. So it's, it's a mess. It's a dirty race. And I think of the mess in a sense, certainly for God, who is perfect and sinless, And holy. Think of the mess of creation that he stepped into. Think of the mess of the manger and and what surrounded the manger at the birth of Christ. And so when we stop and we think about Advent, the implication is that there is an invitation for you and I to step into the messiness of the world around us and in the chaos within this world because we see God doing it for us. And, and, And he's inviting us to do it. Now, this is a difficult. Invitation to accept. I think especially in the comfortable West that we find ourselves in. It's actually far easier for us to distract ourselves. And to entertain ourselves in an attempt to avoid the difficult work of transformation. It, we, we would rather do that. You know the scripture talks about a group of people who did the same. In Amos chapter 6. Uh, let me read that for you in verses six uh, 4 to 7. This is uh, God confronting uh, um, God confronting, uh, uh, am I, yeah, 6 verses 4 to 7. God confronts Israel, and he says to them, Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches. Kind of sounds like what we often like to do over the weekends, say, hey? And eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp. Um, verse six, and who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils. You know, maybe today's day it's you know pouring some bath salts into your your bath. I know. But doing all those things, he says, Woe to those people who do that, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. So he's saying he's he's basically saying that we're all guilty. Often of this, I think, I even know in my life, it's so much easier to to be distracted uh, like the the people of Amos's day uh, and to insulate ourselves from grief around us and brokenness around us uh, by sleeping and lounging on the couch and eating fine food and drinking wine and splurging out on beauty products and and, and playing music and watching movies, etc., etc. And actually, the Advent story tells us that that. We should be as intentional as Jesus, as Christ followers, to step into the messiness. Because it's sad. Our desire for comfort, for comfort, is often deeper than our desire to comfort. We say that again. Our desire for comfort is often stronger than our desire to comfort others. And so it leads us to justify countless decisions that we make you know, for our benefit and in and, the and, and result. Uh, or the resulting outcome is us silencing our hearts and our lives to the cries of those around us that are in desperate need, the mess around us. So every year when we get to this time, the manger actually calls us into the mess around us. It's true. Uh, to, to conform to the likeness of Jesus means we have to be willing to set our comforts aside, to say no to those things for, you know, for our, uh, as we offer up our lives. As living sacrifices to Jesus, and and do uh, uh, things for Him um, in His name, sacrificing uh, uh, our, our selfishness, you know, being selfless and and living out sacrificial love. Number two, uh, well the implications of the uh, of the incarnation is that we also find ourselves sticking around. So point one is we enter into. Uh, the mess, you know, become tough mudders. But point two is we stick around. So we don't only enter in and then escape when it's too much, but we stay, we stay, we stick around. I love what Isaiah 9, 6 about says about this child that will be called everlasting father. That's a daddy who does not run away. Everlasting father, presence there. God draws near to us yes in the incarnation but more than that he, he stays close he stays near you know John 1:14 says he will make his home with us he he doesn't he's not a renter a temporary you know he's coming just for a little while he doesn't merely visit you know pops in here and there no he stays he sticks around and even think of Jesus' promise to his disciples when he ascended into heaven. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. He said, I will send you the Spirit. Because some of you might say, oh, yeah, of course he just stuck around. He ascended into heaven. No, he said to his disciples, wait. Wait for the Spirit. Because that's his presence that will, will, can be everywhere. Not just geographically in one place. As it was with his disciples. And uh, the word for the Holy Spirit uh, is often used, you, uh, the, the word counselor. It's translated as counselor. And in Isaiah 9, 6, again, it says this child shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And the word counselor in the New Testament is the word parakletos. And when it speaks of the Holy Spirit, that's what's being used. And it means to come alongside someone, to stick around, to be there. This is incredible. And so, you know, when we think about joy in the Bible, when it's not a product of God removing us out of the mess. That's actually why the biblical joy is so different than to, to earthly happiness. Because it's, it's even in the middle of the mess, being fine, being happy. Why is that? Because of the nearness of God. That is why. It's not the absence of conflict, but even in the middle of conflict and brokenness and pain, God is with us. He's near. That is what Emmanuel means. God with us. You just think of Jesus who stepped into you know, history. Into, the Jewish nation was under oppression. His work to come and save the world did not include in that season to deliver the Jews even from the Roman oppression. But I can tell you one thing. Jesus, God, was there. He was present. That's a a given. And so that is what it means to, to experience Christmas, is to experience Emmanuel, God with us, the nearness. And so, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you put your faith in him, it means that you invite him to stay as well. You don't just say, come on a Sunday, come on a Tuesday, but every other life, stay out of my, my way. No, when, when you understand this nearness, you're opening up your life to say, Jesus, come, make your home in me. Come and do renovations. Come and, come and bring about change. Not as a renter, but as an owner. My life is yours. My house is yours. Uh, but secondly, when we emulate Jesus, we find ourselves present again with others and to others. You know, Jesus is the, the gift of God's presence to us. And you just think about the word present, you know. And so in many ways, we give the present of presence to others. Because we've been given the present, the gift of God's presence with us. Regardless of what we go through. And so we can be that to others. And so I want to ask you that question. Where and with whom do you make your home like that? Are you, do you find yourself in a transient society where people move in and out? I just even see how my neighborhood keeps changing, how the, this, this landscape of, of, the, of the suburbs keeps changing, and, and the city keeps changing. People move in, move out. They leave. They, they pursue you know, their own desires. Are you able to put that aside for the sake of being present to people that God's called you to? Can you stick around in the name of the Lord? Staying present to those he loves. And I I just want to stop for a moment and talk a little bit about church. And our church family and our commitment to to a place as a a church. But to one another as a family, as a church. You, You think again about the incarnation and Jesus who was born into a family. Jesus who lived his life as a son. Who lived his life as a brother. Who lived his life as a citizen. In a similar way, we find our living connection with Jesus uh, to, to Jesus is not an isolated one from others, but actually, we believe that it's nurtured and sustained within a community of faith. I know that there are exceptions, but they're few. Mostly, God draws closer to people, uh, um, or He gets people to to Himself through others, through other believers. That's why it's so important for us. To, to gather together because actually, as we gather together, people filled with the Spirit of God, we're near, we're present, we step into one another's mess, we actually experience God's presence in a profound way. His nearness, like that, and then, and then in doing so, we are also a light to the world. You think about this season, it's a season of light. You think about Jesus explained that you know, the people in the kingdom as those who, who are cities on a hill that are, that are lights. To shine stars in the, in the universe in a sense. And Luke 2, as we, we read together, the, the, the peace on earth that it speaks of, that, that, it, that, that came. Uh, what does it say here? Uh, um, Glory to God in the high, in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There is a group of people who've experienced uh, uh, God's pleasure in Christ. When we became Christians, we were in Christ, the perfect one. And so when the Holy God, Holy Father looks at us and he, and he sees us in Christ, he is pleased with us because the righteousness of Christ is credited to sinful people like us because our sin was upon Jesus on that cross and he paid the penalty. And so we are a group of people that understand God's pleasure. And, 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 and therefore, we, we live out that peace. We, we can have true peace, as it says here in Luke 2. that shalom. It exists in our community. We call it the church. That's that's who we are. And and by faith, we have embraced what Isaiah 9 says. He shall be called the prince of peace. We've embraced the prince of peace. And as a result, we find ourselves at peace. We find ourselves living or being a community that is so different from any other community on the face of the earth. We've been reconciled to God and therefore we are reconciled to one another. And so in our community of faith, in our church, we see glimpses of peace on earth. We know that Jesus is going to come back one day, his second advent, you know, to set all things straight. But in the now, not yet tension that we live in, we see glimpses of this peace on earth in the previews amongst one another. Um, we we see it, uh, you know, what God began at Christmas and and He won it on Good Friday and He proclaimed it on on Easter morning. And and so every time that we we forgive one another, every time that that we baptize someone who says yes to to Jesus, uh, every time we Come around the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper communion. Those are a little previews to the world of what God has accomplished. Of peace on earth in our community. As I want to invite you if, you, if perhaps you are watching this online still as a city get, and you've not come out to some of our watch parties. I want to encourage you. We call them in-person gatherings now because the only thing you're watching is this. The rest of the stuff we do live. We sing live. We pray together live. We break bread together. Uh, You know, um, our liturgical elements, they're all live. But in those moments, uh, you're missing out if you're at home on this peace on earth community that Jesus uh, accomplished for us. And I know it's messy. Let's go back to point one. We become tough mothers. Yeah, I, I want to encourage you to, to, to you know, put your comforts aside. Uh, uh, and, you know, It's comfortable to consume this content, perhaps just only online. And, and it's not perfect when we get together. I get, I get it. It's messy. But we find God in a profound way when we come together like that. You experience Christmas, the true Christmas, uh, in a profound way when we come together. That's not only limited to the December time. We, every time we come together as the people of God, we experience what we're talking about here today. Oh, I don't want you to miss out. Next week, the 19th, I believe. It's our last Sunday together this year. If you haven't been with us for a while, why don't you sign up for one of those things first? You know, The others who've come regularly, they, they might have to be on a wait list. I would love for you to be a part of that. I'm calling you. I'm begging you. Come out. Be with your family. Number three. An implication of the incarnation is that we see sin clearly. You know, Luke chapter two here talks about the dark night. Uh, these shepherds out in the field, and then a bright light that sh- shines, and they were fearful in that moment. Isaiah chapter nine. We read chapter six, uh, to, but if you back, rewind to chapter. Uh, We're at verse 6. If you rewind back to verse 1, it says people, who they walked in darkness and they've seen a great light. This is what happens when Jesus stepped in uh, onto the scene. His light pierced the darkness. And and you see what these angels are proclaiming. They're saying there's a Savior. And his name's Christ the, the Lord. And it speaks of glory to God in the highest. The holy God has stepped down. And have come to us. And in doing so, when we are faced with the perfection and the holiness of God, when light comes into our dark world, all of a sudden we realize we are sinners in need of a Savior. We need a King, we need a Lord to lead us, we need a Shepherd to guide us. The love of God for us can be seen also in Him opposing everything that seeks to harm and destroy us. You know, the sin that, that wants to separate us, uh, uh, the, the, the Satan who wants to, wants to snuff us out and keep us from God. He comes opposing those things. If he does not oppose that, he wouldn't be a loving God. And so as light of the world, he must confront darkness, darkness in us and darkness around us. And, uh, you know, as Ionan again says, he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God, so he comes to fight for us. But we have to stop about that and think about you know, God as a warrior who comes to, to, to deal with darkness, to deal with sin, to deal with our enemies. It's a comforting picture, but it, it actually depends on which side of the story you are in terms of a God being a warrior. For those who oppose God, for those who love their sin, for those who, who reject God as king, as, as, as lord, who who rejects his authority, who wants to remain autonomous, who who celebrates evil, who's maybe like those people in Amos, who who ignores the brokenness around them because they're just all about their comforts. To those people, if God is a warrior, that is bad news. That is God opposing the proud. But... To those who, who understand, I'm in darkness. I need light. I am a sinner. I need a savior. Actually, those who are oppressed and exploited and it's enslaved by their sin or by, by Satan, God as a warrior is an ally. It's good news. He comes to liberate and he comes to save. And so it depends on which side of the story you are. And I want to stop for a moment and ask you, the listener, on which, which, which side are you? You know, who, God as a warrior conquering king God has light coming into darkness. Are you in the dark and love the dark? Or are you someone who is saying, I need to be rescued from this. I need the light. Choices before you. You know, I often think of how people, you know, interpret the Old Testament as well. You know, it's, it's tough and difficult to read often. I want to quote from, a, from a, a something I read this week. They say, could it be if and when we struggle with Old Testament images of God, It has more to do with our blindness to our true desperation than it does with the goodness and character of God. Because again, if God is good, then actually He would confront and oppose evil. And if we're so offended by that, maybe we don't see ourselves as broken and in need of a savior, sinners that needs to be rescued. Just gonna leave that thought with you. Number four, we're nearly done. We don't just see sin clearly, number three, but number four, we also see grace clearly. I love this account of God coming to the shepherds. They were a very unlikely audience. They were the bottom of the food chain, the bottom rung of society. And, and, and here it tells us that God in the highest, this is what these angels declare. And he, he descends to the lowly lowly, lowly men and like the shepherds. It's, it's amazing. And they say this is good news of great joy for all men. For all men. You know, if you carry on reading in Isaiah and you get to chapter 19, you know, it speaks of that day, like the day when, when God will set everything right, perhaps the, the second advent, you know. Uh, and, and it says there that actually Israel will be shocked because they will not just see uh, themselves as saved, but many of their former enemies. The, the Egyptian slaveholders, and you've got to understand, to, to an Israelite, to, to a Jew, the, the Egyptians you know, kept them in captivity, enslaved them. And, and, and Isaiah is saying, you'll be surprised at the mercy of God. You will see them becoming the Lord's own. And, and so we are reminded in this Advent season that God would come down and the angels declare that this is grace for all men. Yes, He came to the Jews. Yes, He, he lived as a Jew. And, and, and first proclaimed to Israel, but they don't have the upper hand to God's grace and mercy. Not at all. We, you know, we will be shocked, I think, at the end at, at, at how God saved. Because we, we actually become so used to darkness around us that when we see light working, working its way out, we might get such a surprise at who God gives, shows mercy to. You know, like these shepherds. In their society, people say, why why, would they, why, would, why are they getting told? Who are they? They're nobodies. And yet they, the angels announced to them. We might stand before the Lord one day and look around and go, what, why are they here? God is merciful and, and his mercy is often shocking. And so, yes, we see our sin and the need of a savior. We see that clearly. That's number three. But number four, we also see God's grace clearly in the incarnation in Jesus coming to us, all of us that are broken and sinful. Last point, number five, we taste and enjoy true life as a result of the Incarnation. I love that Jesus was laid in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. It, it, it's, it's what animals eat out of. You know. And in many ways, Jesus lying in there, it's a clue that you and I need to feed on him in our hearts by faith, that we would find true life and true satisfaction and fulfillment In Jesus alone. I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon that, you know, in the incarnation, God did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But also, in this last point, I want to say, God is for us what we and anything else in the world cannot be either. He is the true source of life, the true source of joy, the true source of salvation, the true source of satisfaction. It is in Jesus because, you know, this is Christmas time and it's all about giving gifts and getting gifts. And we all have long lists of things we'd like to get, right? And sometimes we treat God the same way. So are the blessings or are the gifts in your life, this is a question, are, are, are the blessings that we long to receive from God, blessings that only God can give? Let me ask it in another way. Are God's blessings the, the greatest desires of our lives? And when I say that, I'm saying God's blessings. So things that only He can give, not, not material things. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. That's that's how I'd like to phrase these questions. You know, people with enough education, with not enough influence, maybe with some family heritage, you know, old money that's in, in their lives, a life of material blessings and wealth can actually be acquired seemingly without any divine intervention. Or assistance. That's how most people in the West often live their lives. They don't need God. They've got everything they want. Or at least they think they want. And so many of us as believers not fall into into the trap of saying, Lord, if I could just have that, I'll be happy. If I could just have this. Or if you just provide that, I'll be happy. And fall into the the sort of cultural traps of our day. But I actually understand that Jesus, so, so not the gifts that God can give, but God himself, is what we truly need and that would truly satisfy us. None of these other things. So we come to Jesus, not for what God could give us, but for God himself. Jesus himself said that he is the living water. He is the bread of life. And so he comes to us in in the account of Christmas and he's in that manger and he's saying, would you feed on me? Would you feed on me? I want to leave that as the last thought for you who are listening. Maybe you've wandered away, you've been distracted, you've looked somewhere else, thinking you'd be satisfied with perhaps the things you want God to give you, forgetting that God himself, Jesus himself, will satisfy you completely. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday. Hopefully we'll see you before the year closes. God bless.